introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Welcome back to the Pocket Protectors Podcast. It has been too long, but we're back. My name is Jason Brown. I'll be your host, and I am joined by two of the smartest men on Vikings Twitter. Dr. Eric Eager, my man, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, summer's going well. Uh, it's about time for that season to start, though. Oh, boy. Itching, itching, itching. Anna, I mean, there's only two of you, but last but certainly not least, Nick. <laughs> The newest member of the crew, always coming in strong. How's it going, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Had a good 4th of July. Now I'm getting to the point in summer where I'm kind of getting excited for football to come back. So it's all good. It is, it's right around the corner. And uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to start the preview for the season. We're going to go over some things, talk about the opponents, talk about the matchups, talk about, I guess, where we think the team is going to be, if they got better, how much better they got. And uh, yeah, see how much of this we can get through before we run out of time on this show. So, Eric, I know on your other podcast, The Forecast, you've been doing a little bit of this as well. So I'll start with you. First opponent for the Vikings, the Atlanta Falcons. I know that yeah. last year you guys really liked that team. <laughs> what are your thoughts on how they match up with us as we go into the season? Yeah, so, um, yeah, we were a big-time Falcons backers. Uh, then they came out of the gate, lost their first game kind of, uh, a little bit roughly, um, and then they lost a lot of their starters. So they lost Deion Jones, one of the best linebackers in the league, Keanu Neal, one of the up-and-coming strong safeties, Ricardo Allen, a strong safety – or, sorry, free safety, and then, you know, really struggled to generate a pass rush, really struggled to cover, and that put a lot of pressure on the on the defense – or, I'm sorry, on the offense to sort of come through, uh, you know, and, and pick up the slack. And, and in many games, you know, Matt Ryan was very efficient – um, that offense with Julio Jones uh, and a pretty decent offensive line was, um, you know, I think efficient, but not just just simply not good enough. And then their issues in the red zone was really what got their uh, offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian, fired. So that that kind of, you know, come back into this year, okay, they get more healthy on defense. They draft a couple offensive linemen. They get a new offensive coordinator in Dirk Cutter, who actually, if you look at the numbers, was actually pretty successful uh, with Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick over the past few years. Um, Vegas has had this game starting out somewhere about a four, four and a half point spread. Uh, we'd probably put it more like a two and a half point spread. So we think Minnesota should probably be favored in this game, but not by as much as Vegas thinks. And so uh, yep. some interesting things uh, from a narrative perspective that you called out there, especially at the end, because uh, the Falcons, much like uh, you know the team that we cheer for here, the Minnesota Vikings, they have uh, an offensive line revamp. Kind of get some young guys in on the offensive line. And they brought in a new OC. So I, I know we've talked about this kind of in passing in times past, but how much do those factors typically weigh in when you're when you're looking at, you know, young offensive linemen coming in and then a new offensive coordinator coming in? How much do those things typically affect the team um, from one season as they go into the next one? I mean, it's hard to quantify it totally, but it is something. I mean, it's it's at least five to ten percent 
uh, of what you would put into a handicap. And so you look at you look at where they were when they were humming in 2016, and that offense could barely be stopped, right? And that was Ryan throwing out of heavy sets on early downs, um, putting the ball in Julio Jones's hands on late downs. Like I think you know that offense. You know I think that they are. You know, if you if you just simply, you know, take Sarkeesian and put him more towards the mean, which I think Cutter could be, I think that's a pretty solid, uh, up, you know, upgrade. Now, that that being said, Minnesota side, you know, Kevin Stefanski, we know less about him. He has fewer warts. There's a chance that he could be one of the next great offensive minds, but there's also a chance he could be much like John Filippo and, and simply not be able to do the job. So it'll be really interesting to see sort of what happens there. I know. You know, a lot of the same narratives from last season were happening, you know, when Minnesota opened week one against San Francisco, um, and they were, you know, about, about a touchdown favorite in that game. Um, I do think they'll come out, you know, especially at home uh, and play pretty well. But, you know, you know, Atlanta, Atlanta's got the better quarterback and they're getting points. All right, Nick, and what are your thoughts of this matchup as you look at it? Like Eric said, home opener. Big matchup in the NFC. What are your thoughts on how Atlanta matches up and what problems they might they might pose for Minnesota, especially to start out the season? Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything Eric said. Um, minus four or whatever seems like a little gr- – I mean, the Falcons are a more talented team than the Vikings, I think, just generally. Um, offensive side, maybe not defensively, but offense is generally what is sticky and um, – you know, predicting what's going to happen year over year in the NFL is such a crapshoot. But for what it's worth, you know, the Falcons were top 10 in passing DVOA, top 10 in QBR, all that stuff, which uh, are the more predictive measures of how good an offense can be. Maybe that's not as predictive when they're switching out offensive coordinators, but I don't think Sarkeesian was a particularly good offensive coordinator. And I think Dirk Cutter, while he may not be um, – you know, the next Andy Reid, I think he's definitely an improvement. So, um, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if the Vikings lost. I think home field advantage is, you know, worth enough to, to still pick the Vikings here. But it's the home moment. There's so many new variables that you just don't know how to account for and, and wait. So um, I think generally Falcons probably more talented on offense, definitely. Vikings probably have maybe more more talent on defense. That's an interesting question, though. Um, but um, I think Mike Zimmer is a, is a better head head coach than Dan Quinn. And um, Stefanski, I agree. He's, he's just such a wild card. He could be – he's really, I think, what the, what the Vikings season turns on because um, – you know, the, the the case for him is Pat Shermer wanted him as his offensive coordinator in New York. Pat Shermer is obviously one of the better. It was one of the best when he was with the Vikings. And although the Giants were disappointing, considering that he had Eli Manning at quarterback, I think Pat Shermer did a great job in New York. Um, and then the the deep Podesta, the Moneyball guys in Cleveland, what that was, they were gunning to hire Stefanski over Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland as their head coach. So uh, there's some smart minds who kind of, uh, are are into Kim Stefanski, but a lot of smart minds were also into John D. Filippo. So, uh, huge wild card there. Um, so, I think uh, the season will probably go as the play calling goes. Um, so, tough to predict, but yeah, I would agree. I would take the Vikings, though, probably not as as much as the the market would say right now. Okay, well, uh, take me to the next game, Nick. Uh, what are your thoughts? Obviously, we have a bit of a rivalry game. Starting off hot with this with uh, the Falcons and then going into Green Bay in week two. What are your thoughts on how, uh, you know, the Vikings and the Packers match up based on what's happened this offseason and the teams that you saw on the field last season? I think <laughs> I have some Vikings friends who uh, took 
Uh, I took some heat for saying that I thought the Packers were just a significantly more talented team than the Vikings. Um, and wow. they, they didn't like that take. But I, I wow. think um, from the quarterback to the offensive line to the running back, um, maybe you could argue the Vikings uh, wide receivers are better. Um, you know, I think Diggs and Thielen are better than Devontae Adams and, you know, Marquise Valdez-Scantling or whoever wide receiver two is there. Um, but as a package, um, you know, uh, I think they're just a significantly more talented team. And that goes for the secondary as well. Um, big pickup um, in Amos as their safety. I think Jair Alexander is somebody who you turn on the tape and it's just immediately evident. He's, you know, he's a he's going to be a, a Pro Bowl caliber uh, uh, cornerback. Um, so I'm a big believer in him too. Um, and I really think Mike Patton is one of the better defensive play callers. Um, really creative. Uh, blitzes he calls. Uh, really... Uh, challenges uh, quarterbacks with their pre-snap reads, really disguises things really well in coverage. Um, I think the big, you know, it's the same thing with the Falcons and the Vikings. The, the, the big question for them is um, what is, Mafleur, what is Ma, Matt LaFleur going to gonna be like for the Packers? And I'm, you know, I, I'm not really convinced that he is one of the better hires uh, this offseason, but, you know, you kind of never know. Nobody really was high on um what's his face in, in Philadelphia, but um, he went on to win Super Bowl two years later. So um, it, it's tough to say. I mean, LaFleur wasn't great. Um, Mariota had his worst year, I think, since his rookie year and a lot of the efficiency numbers um, in Tennessee with LaFleur last year. But then at the same time, you know, this is a guy who's been under Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, the two kind of poster childs of the new offensive uh, creative play calling. So um, that's that's tough. Um, and if LaFleur can get Rodgers back to, you know, 2016, 2015 form, that would be great. But uh, that's that's really the big wild card. But I think in Green Bay, I would definitely not expect the Vikings to – I would not put my money on the Vikings to win that one. Oh, my, yeah. Eric. Eric, help me out here. Help me out. Are, are you going to bring <laughs> me back off the ledge, or are you going to continue just down the road that Nick started here with Green Bay is just better than than us? Well, I think that, you know, our when we handicap it, I think, you know, Green Bay is a favorite in this game, but not by the full home field advantage. So you're talking about a pointer or a point or two uh, in this game. Uh, and I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with the fact that we haven't had a consistent amount of good play out of Aaron Rodgers since probably 2014. He had a great, he had a nice stretch at the beginning of 2015. He ended 2016 and started 2017 pretty well. He, you know, last season he was mostly bad. And so, you know, just taking ourselves away from the numbers here, um, I think if Rodgers has it left in the tank, he's probably going to play well this year because he's a prideful guy and he doesn't want to be like viewed as the problem in Green Bay last year. Because I think many people are saying, well, it's part McCarthy, part Rodgers. I think if Rodgers continues to struggle, it will shift our, our view more towards Rodgers. And I don't think he wants to see that. That being said, I think, you know, Nick's right in that their defense is starting to accumulate a, a decent amount of talent. They got the two Smiths uh, and, and, and another edge player in the draft early, um, you know, Kenny Clark uh, and, and Mike Daniels in the middle of that defense are solid. They're okay at inside linebacker and in the secondary um, you can make a case that they're starting to accumulate talent uh, at a rate faster than the Vikings. That being said, I still think at this very time, the Vikings defense is a little bit better. Um, and, you know, so 
I don't know. I, I still think the Vikings are a slightly better team, but you give them home field advantage in Green Bay. You give them sort of like, like again, having to, having to, you know, the question being like you, when you call defensive plays against Matt LaFleur with Rodgers, is that going to be the same thing as just turning on Tennessee tape? Probably not. So, you know, I, I can go both ways. You know, I can go either way here. Um, but I do think Minnesota is better than Green Bay. But in this particular game, Green Bay probably will be favored slightly. Goodness. Right out the gate. So, so we, I mean, we're looking at 0-2 right now. Um, <laughs> and, you know, luckily Oakland comes to Minnesota in week three. But that, like, I don't know. I Actually, they should be, I mean, the most likely occurrence is probably 1-1 one one here. Um, okay. But if they could start two and zero, uh, that would be a lot better because they're probably in that event they probably will start three and zero. All right, here before we get to the wonders that is Derek Bortles, we're going to take a quick <laughs> break, pay some bills, and uh, we'll get back in and talk to uh, who I think might be the most overrated quarterback in all of the NFL. All right, and we're back. Let's talk about Week Three, Eric. You alluded to it already. Oakland Raiders, Derek Carr, is he any good? Uh, not really. I mean, if you look at 20, 2016 was really his like ceiling. And when you gave him a lot of protection, Amari Cooper hung on to the ball, as did Michael Crabtree. He had a great stable of backs, sort of, you know, Jalen Richard, Latavius Murray, all this. When you put everything great around him and then you had a, a relatively easy schedule, that's the best you could see out of Carr. Sounds I think, like somebody I know. Yeah. I think currently, I mean, that team is just really going to struggle because it's clear to me, you know, we had, we actually have um, a Bruce Gradkowski works for PFF. Now he took over for Zach Robinson. He played for John Gruden in the late uh, 2000, late aughts. Um, and he said, you know, something to the effect of, you know, it's always true that, um, you know, Gruden dated quarterbacks. He never married any quarterbacks. And that, you know, so it's clear here that he hasn't bought into Derek Carr. And I think that there are just some players who need that. Right. Uh, and so he certainly was very tentative a season ago. His average depth of target was pretty small. He just was not a, an efficient passer. And I wonder, so you add Antonio Brown into the mix, um, you add Tyrell Williams into the mix, who's a pretty good player himself. Um, you, you put it, you put in a running back in the, you know, in the draft that's I think pretty versatile. Does that help at all? The offensive line got worse. Um, in my opinion, it probably doesn't just because I still think Derek Carr is going to struggle because the idea is that he's not the guy there and they're, they're constantly looking for his replacement. Um, defensively, they're an absolute joke. In my opinion, their linebackers can't cover anybody uh, in the defensive backfield. Gary and Conley uh, improved a little bit last year, um, but he's just one guy. Uh, and then of course they really struggle, uh, you know, Cleland, you know, the draft pick, the number four overall guy, is going to help a little bit, um, but their pass rush was an absolute nightmare last year for them, not for other teams. So uh, I think Minnesota, we have Minnesota favored by more than a touchdown in this game, um, and I think that that's it'll probably grow even more sort of as we get more into uh, into the season and sort of we see these teams play a couple times. All right, Nick. Eric got us back on a happy note here. What are your thoughts on this matchup with the Raiders? Any possibility of this being a trap game or are the Raiders just too bad all around for you really to be concerned at this point? Yeah, I can't be too haughty because of what happened the last time we played a week three game where we were favored by, you know, a touchdown or more. Um, bad things happened with Josh Allen. 
Um, but yeah, Derek Carr is awful. Um, he, is, I mean, he's starting quality. I shouldn't rag on him too much, but we're talking about a guy who, in like the perfect situation in 2016, was 16th in QBR, so uh, literally average at best. Um, and right now, his he's he's a quarterback who's very dependent on his offensive line because he he crumbles under pressure. His footwork is awful. His accuracy goes out the window. His mechanics break down. Um, he stops seeing defenders. He starts throwing the ball into harm's way. So. Um, the fact that they got worse and uh, they still got like Colton Miller as his blindside protector, that's going to be a problem. Um, obviously, they got better at wide receiver. They added Antonio Brown. That's obviously not a small pickup. And Xavier Rose will have his handful with him, as he often has in the past when they've matched up. So that'll make for good um, good entertainment. Um, but, yeah, this is just a team that is not good on either side of the ball, and I don't really see any reason to to, to make any bold predictions about how that'll change. You know, they've also they've invested so much in old players, too. So it's not like you, you can expect them to be on the upswing just yet. Um, we'll see as they, they continue their, their to invest young draft capital and in, in, in revitalizing the team. But, yeah, this team isn't good right now. And especially in Minnesota, you know, there's no reason to get cute and say anything other than the Vikings should be heavily favored. Yeah, I mean, the, the, oh, sorry, go the ahead. issue with the, the, the Oakland Raiders is that they're a classic example of teams when you look at their decision space you can look at some decisions like oh that's really intelligent or oh that's really you know stupid and when you look at the Raiders the Khalil Mack trade was actually pretty solid and if you look at or the what they got back for them and then as Nick said they've been signing a lot of veterans to shorter deals and that's actually pretty smart if you know you're not going to win sign yeah. Doug Martin to a one-year deal and then he's off the books he also is a player you know that's going to be able to at least like play snaps and stuff like that. Right. And, but then they go ahead and use their draft picks on all this random nonsense in the first round. And you realize that some of these teams are just making sort of Markovian decisions that just feel good at the time. And some of them happen to be good and some of them happen to be bad, but they really don't have a process in place. And I think, you know, there are smart guys that work for Oakland, but I think in general, that's kind of like the way, you know, we should view that team is it's kind of just a mess. Yeah, so Eric, yeah. when you're looking at a team like an Oakland who who is bringing in some of those veteran players, or maybe uh, you know some other teams that will turn you know mid and late round picks into vets and bring those in, when you're projecting that team's performance for the next year, is it easier to deal with you know the veterans that you've seen in the league when you're projecting them, or is it easier to kind of project what you expect to see from you know early round picks that are that are rookies that you expect to see time? Uh, it's a it's a lot easier to predict veteran players. Um, but it's still not easy. I mean, you have to take into consideration their scheme. You have to take into consideration their obvious, their volume and how their performance changes with different volume. Um, but it's a lot of, I mean, it's, it, there's a lot more that's known. Um, the difficulty is going to be something like, you know, like if you look at Trent Brown, for example, he's a left tackle in New England and an average one, an average one whose production was pretty like, I would say, covered up by New England. Um, then he goes to Oakland, which is not going to do him as many favors. And then he's going to play a different position. You know, we know what Trent Brown is. That's sort of like a throw your hands up and sort of assume it's just kind of like the average outcome type of thing. Um, whereas with draft picks, it's very much that. So, um, it, you know, to be quite fair, it's honestly, you know, it's usually just like team team level fundamentals, the quarterback and a little bit of uh, a little bit added in there for like new players. But the new players thinking it hard when you are expecting new players to do different things on your team that they did on their previous team. 
That's fair. That makes sense. And so, Erica, bring us home here. You know, first quarter of the season, another big game yeah. uh, at the Chicago Bears, which is a team that, as I, you know, read across Twitter and, you know, many of the sites for many of the people who I consider to be some of the smarter minds covering the, uh, the, the NFL, uh, not a lot of them seem to be particularly high on the Bears after what they did last season. I guess, what are your thoughts on, on this matchup? Minnesota going into the place where they always do terrible against a team that won the division, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How do you see this matchup going and how do you see this Bears team as we get into next season? Yeah, I mean, we have Chicago, uh, you know, they're over unders nine and a half. We would we would play the under, uh, I think, significantly in that situation. The thing about teams like Chicago is the teams that go from poor to awesome without, you know, with some exceptions, namely the Rams last year, generally face like sort of a glass ceiling where they kind of hit the ceiling and come down a little bit. You know, there's going to be a lot of, there have to be a lot of circumstances that sort of abate that. Right. And, and with, with the Rams, it was golf. He took a ne- the next step, right. We still see that he's extremely limited. We saw that in the playoffs, but he took a next step as an individual player as, as did Sean McVay as a coach. Um, their defense got better, but they also retooled the defense, right. They went out and got to leave. They went out and got Peters. Um, you know, they did some things to make that defense better. Like they didn't just rest on the laurels. You look at Chicago and granted, Chicago, you know, pretty impressive offensive play call or extremely good defense. But all they've really done to that team is subtract. Right. So, um, you know, offensively, they lost Jordan Howard. They did get a running back in the draft. and David Montgomery, who's quite good, but he was their, their first pick and it was in the third round and they traded up. We we found a, a dynamic where teams that don't have first round picks will often trade up in subsequent rounds because they get the itch. Um, Chicago totally did that. Kansas City's done that a few times too. Um, and then defensively, slot cornerback, they lost Bryce Callahan to the Denver Broncos as their slot corner. His replacement in the playoffs was the one that gave up the game-winning touchdown to Golden Tate. Um, they lost to safety in Adrian Amos. As Nick said, he went to Green Bay. They got ha-ha Clinton Dix, but that's a negative transaction there. And then I think most importantly, they lost uh, Vic Fangio, their defensive coordinator, who many think is the most valuable player of a defense. So all that being said, you know, last season when Minnesota went into Chicago, they were three and a half point underdogs. We would probably still have them as somewhere about a three and a half, four point underdog here. um, Because again, the situation is still such that, you know, you look at those two teams, their defenses are basically equal. Their offenses, we know that Matt Nagy is a pretty good play caller. We don't know that about Minnesota. Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky, but the supporting cast, weirdly, for the Bears is a little bit better than the Vikings, especially on the offensive line. So it's basically the home field advantage. We'd have these teams probably equally handicapped uh, on a neutral field. Interesting. Equally handicapped. And I guess you you went through it. So when you when you when you split up the dynamics of like Kirk Cousins, you know, Trubisky, our wide receivers, you know, their weapons, tight ends, their weapons, obviously their offensive line on paper better than ours at this point. You, would you consider the offenses to really still be an equal matchup? You wouldn't give the Vikings the nod in that in that way, just based on what you've seen and, and kind of your thoughts on, say, like Trubisky versus Cousins? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is our – I mean, Trubisky was a more efficient passer last season. I mean, the Bears were a more efficient team passing the ball last year than the Vikings were. Like, and whether – the and, and despite the fact that Kirk Cousins was a better quarterback than Trubisky. So if, if I'm to believe that, that Trubisky – 
is going to regress or revert to the mean and be a little bit better than he played a season ago, like fewer interceptable passes, fewer overthrows, especially to the left. Like if Trubisky just gets better season two to three, like their offense might not be as explosive just because of noise. But the Vikings offense wasn't explosive either. They were 24th or 25th in expected points generated in the passing game with Kirk Cousins being better than Trubisky. So, um, so yes, I think at the individual quarterback position, uh, the Vikings are better. But you take the quarterback position, you take the scheme. The unknown with the Vikings scheme, I think, helps them because they were a bad known last year. But, you know, I think the Bears dynamics push them more towards, uh, you know, the center there. And so kind of make it a I kind of make it a push all around, frankly. Uh, and that's and that's kind of how I see it. Okay, Nick, how about you? What do you see? What do you what do you think when you look at this matchup and, and you know, the Bears as they come into uh, this next season riding on the high of what they did last year? Yeah, the, the Bears are going to suck. Um, they just, they lost Fangio, who is, um, y- you know, uh, I think Josh Hermsmeyer published the R-squared values, like the predictiveness of different um, efficiency metrics. And, you know, the, 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 Predictiveness, uh, like offensive DVOA, is like more than three times that of defensive DVOA. Um, so basically, uh, defenses uh, that are very good are usually pretty prime for regression. Obviously, there are a few examples, Mike Zimmer's Vikings being one of them, Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll kind of being the other two. Vic Fangio actually is another one because he was phenomenal in uh, San Francisco as well. Um, but, you know, you lose Fangio, um, you lose um, – Bryce Callahan, who is, I think, supremely underrated, maybe the best slot corner in the NFL. He gave Adam Thielen problems every time they played. Um, you know, you, you lose Amos. Um, obviously, they're still going to have Mack and Hicks and a couple other really talented guys, but um, they were so good. They, you know, they were number one by a mile last year in defensive efficiency, and a lot of that is turnover luck, um, and a lot of that is scheme things that they're not going to be replicating. Um, so I, I think they're, they're due to, to crash hard there. And then on offense, they, you know, Matt Nagy's phenomenal. Um, I really think, uh, he had one of the best debut years of, of any recent play caller, but, um, you know, the bears still weren't good on offense. They just had, uh, uh, a defense that really buoyed them and put them in good field position and set them up to make them seem a lot more impressive than they are. But I think by, uh, you know, Trubisky was, um, you know, middling in QBR, even when you account for how good of a play caller Nagy was, you know, Trubisky was below um, starting level in terms of pro football focus grade. Um, they were, I think, 20th in offensive DVOA. So, you know, they weren't particularly good. And I, I they have some interesting weapons they've added. Um, I like the the receivers that they've added. Um, but and I, I like Nagy's ability to to wring the most value out of those guys as he can, but I definitely am on board with um, the the I think a lot of the analytics consensus that the Bears are just primed for uh, regression in a bad way. Um, that said, you know Vikings always have problems in Soldier Field, so you know I would still pick the the Bears to win the Soldier Field game, um, but I would probably uh, you know I would say based on just how much I expect the the, 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 the Bears to regress on defense um, as they lose their play caller and a couple of key uh, guys in the secondary. Um, I probably expect it to be a little bit less than the home field advantage, so maybe like a minus two or something's how I'd handicap it. But um, that's not to say that the Bears are going to totally suck. I don't think they're going to go like 
three and thirteen or anything. They're still a very talented team, especially in, you know with Khalil Mack, Keem Hicks, a couple of the other guys. But um, uh, this is I don't think I don't think they're going to win the division this year. So okay, well we made it through the first show here, the first quarter of the season. Then Eric, what's your record prediction after these first four games? Uh, I think the most likely outcome is two and two. Okay. And uh, Nick, how about you, man? Yeah, I'd uh, I'd agree there. Win the win the home games, lose the away games. All right. Oh wait, so... no, there's there's three home games. So play it. No, there's yeah, there's just two it. home games. Okay. Yeah, yeah, two, okay. it's two, two and two. two. Yeah, two and two. I think I think yeah, I nailed I think the complex they... math, but two plus two is the hard one. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I, I I like that I like that idea. I think that there's a good chance that they lose to Atlanta, but I also think there's a good chance that they beat Green Bay or Chicago, right? So I can see I mean four and would be really difficult. O and four would be extremely difficult. Um, but anywhere from one and three and three and one is pretty likely. Okay. Well, I heard Eric say that three and one was pretty likely, so that's what it is. <laughs> it is three and one. It's math. That's how it works. I just hear what what I want to hear when Eric says the nice things about us. <laughs> so that's it. That's the first part here. Uh, we'll be right back in just a little bit here and to knock out the, uh, the second quarter of the season. Gentlemen, don't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> 